they say life is about a journey and not the destination. Well, it's 5am and no, I'm not on a fucking yoga retreat. I'm actually just trying to catch a fucking flight. Do you remember when air travel used to be glamorous? No, me either. What a fucking poxy way to travel. Have you ever tried to pack your shower gel, toothpaste, deodorant, sun cream, after sun moisturiser and enough lube for a week within something the size of a crisp packet? Oh, and I love nothing more than an Ellie in a full face reeking a Tom Ford screaming repeatedly, empty your pockets, before I've had a brew. And there's me hoping there'll be a stunning breakfast awaiting me on the other side. Will it fuck? I'll be paying ten quid for toast. For toast. And to top it all off, the Toblerones and Duty Free aren't even as big as they used to be. Amigos, bien, bien, Dios. Uh, mi nombre es Scotty. Esto es After the Tone. Estoy muy feliz de hablar con ustedes de Málaga. Sí, en Málaga, España. Uh, yo soy aquí para mi vacación con mi esposo, Emmentos, y mi hermano. Um, disculpe, uh, mi español no es muy bueno, pero los ingleses son estúpidos y ellos no entienden. <laughs> On today's show, the gravy revolution continues. A call from hospital, puking on the beach, and more working-class joy. Yeah, that's right, bitches, I'm on my holidays. Listen, don't get jealous there. I was being a bit cultured, did a bit of the Spanish there for you. Don't write in and complain if you don't like it, because I am fucking trying, all right? I'm in Malaga, okay? Now, if you want me to try and describe where that is, just get a fucking map out and search it yourself, all right? I ain't got the time for it. Um, now, for those of you who have no idea where that is, uh, you're probably the sort that flies into the Costa del Sol and then gets the bus down to Marbella. Now, not for me. I tell you, when I'm coming away, the last thing I want to do is sit around with a bunch of fucking English people because I can't fucking abide them at the best of times. And down that way, it's just Union Jackson tits. And if I wanted that, I'd go to a Tory party conference. <laughs> now, listen, we are over halfway through season eight. Season eight. Can you believe I'm saying such a thing? So before you know it, I would have left you for a leggy blonde. But before that, there is your chance to say your piece. Um, listen, this season has been rammed, packed with FTCs, all plucking up the courage to have a little natter with me, you, the pub, for the entertainment of the lurkers, essentially. So do us a favour. Join the party. Open up the WhatsApp. Send me a little voice note to this number. Zero, seven, double, eight. 200-3420. Come on, it doesn't hurt. I'm a lovely person most of the time anyway. Um, and I'd love this to be a moment where our international friends felt that they could join the party. Because some of our biggest regions outside the place that I usually record are Ireland, Germany, Spain and Poland. And I'd love to welcome you lot in for the chat. Do you know what I mean? Have a little bit of a gossip. So, here we go. Without further ado, let's do it. Vamos. Hi, Scotty and the rest of the crew. I'm a long-time lurker and first-time caller and I'm rushing to get ready for work as usual. But I just, I'm halfway through the most recent episode and I just have to share my gravy recipe, which a recipe is a stretch to call it that, to be honest. But I just thought, you know, at this point where we, I feel like we're in the middle of a gravy revolution here, um, I just need to share it. So it's your regular red bisto, but it's the 25% less salt that will become important with the next step. And what you want to do is just add about a teaspoon per portion, I would say, of Marmite. 
And that's it. It's as simple as that. And if you like it thick, you can make it as thick as you want because you just add as much water as you want. So my very first contribution to the podcast, I'd be really interested to know if anybody else out there has the same technique. But um, yeah, hopefully some people will after this. Bye. Sorry, how do you... Okay, first time caller badge, fine. I'll put that on you and then I'm going to fucking rip it off again because what do you mean, recipe for gravy? What do you mean, a recipe for gravy? That's like saying, oh, sorry, can I just get a recipe for a cup of tea out? Oh, I'm just going to tell everybody how to make a cup of tea. So what you do is you get a tea bag, oh, and then you just, like, fill it with 25% less tea. Oh, and then the next thing that I want you to do is I want you to put a dose of fucking honey in it with some peanut butter. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Revolution? Is that what revolutions are based upon nowadays? 25% less salt? I'd rather shit in a tea bag and... (laughs) I love how outraged I am by this. Thank you so much for joining the party. Like I said, it is lovely to have new people join in. And I'm a very nice person. But this this call is making me... I'm struggling. (laughs) Marmite? Marmite in a bit of People will be calling outraged by this because I'll tell you what, the NHS one, as you know, very fussy about the gravy. Very fussy about the gravy. He would probably shout quite a lot about this because apparently you've got to have like some form of dead animal within a gravy for it to make a gravy. I don't make the rules. I don't care about the rules of gravy. Do you know what? I'd prefer brand sauce with my roast dinner. I know that's controversial, but do you know what? Just we artiste. I Scotty in a team. My name's Jem. I'm a first-time listener, first-time caller. I discovered your show while in hospital, which is where I'm calling from now. I'm in a German hospital, and I've just had my half of my thyroid removed. When I came in, I did not know that I was going to need a queer late-night dial-in show. I did, however, know that I was going to need peanut butter to get me through. Uh, recovery is going very well. You might you might be pleased to hear. Um, I think mostly due to the peanut butter, but might have something to do with the hard drugs that I'm on. Anyway, so I brought in my peanut butter. I smuggled it in. I don't know if it was illegal. I didn't ask. It felt like a smuggling, you know. And I got my visitors to smuggle in uh, pretzels to eat my peanut butter with to sort of supplement my breakfast, you know. The guy that I ended up on the ward with, who in a double room, lovely guy, turns out he was a friend of a friend even, small world. And I said to him, are you allergic to peanuts? He said, no. Do you like peanut butter? He said, yes. And I said, well, I've got a a jar, you know, should we have some for breakfast? And so we're sitting down at breakfast on our little table for two. Now I get get out my peanut butter and I say, here you go. In Germany, you know, they give you cheese for breakfast. So this guy, he gets peanut butter, spreads it on bread, and he gets the cheese and puts it on the peanut butter and then gets the other slice of bread and puts it on top and then has a cheese and peanut butter sandwich. That is, that's horrendous. Am I alone? Like, do you not agree? What is going on there? I had regrets, to be honest. Um, generosity is not always worth it and um, well I guess I just need some affirmation or maybe I'm wrong maybe I need my mind opening cheese and peanut butter it's a no from me Scotty it's a no from me 
hugs to everyone. Gem, FTL, FTC, first time listener, first time caller. Very rare badge to be giving out. Very rare badge. Niche badge. Hope you're wearing it with pride. Calling all the way from hospital. What is German for hospital? I'm going to have to look this up. Because I tell you what, you know, in Spanish, it's like hospital. In French, it's probably l'hospital. In English, hospital. In German, I bet it's something like really quite convoluted. German, German for hospital. Here we go. The German for hospital is <laughs> Krakenhaus. <laughs> the, the the house to be cracked in. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's a direct. Das Krakenhaus. Yeah, there you go. I don't know what they do there, but they do it. There you go. Now, peanut butter is a genre. Okay, we've got to break that down because some people like that smooth, sugary shit. Do you know what I mean? Not for me. I like the sort of fancy stuff that you have to give a swirl around because it starts to separate. Do you know what I mean? No palm oil is very important when you're buying a peanut butter. Make sure there's no palm oil in it, all right? Um, I don't like it when it's sweet and all of that business. No, thank you. And do you know what? Okay, I... Sorry, Gem. I'm going to really go against you here. I think cheese and peanut butter together is a... It's a beautiful choice. Now, I'm going to blow your minds. Some people... I'm yet to warm up to this. Some people really enjoy, my friend Matty particularly, likes peanut butter with cucumber in the morning. Now, apparently, it's a game changer. I think, because listen, Gem, are you the sort of person that when you go to a restaurant that perhaps sells Pan-Asian food, would you have satay sauce? Exactly, there you go. You would have satay sauce, I'm sure, if you had got the peanut allergies. Um, so, look, I tell you what, you know, if you go to like a, an Asian restaurant, quite often you get peanuts scattered on the top or you get like a satay sauce. I think our relationship with peanuts and peanut butter has got to change. It's not a breakfast item. Do you know what I mean? As I said to um, our lovely friend Ira in Ghent the other week, very big fan of having peanut butter on the muesli in the morning. Do you know what? I think peanut butter is more of a, a condiment that I feel comfortable with than gravy. Just putting that out there. Now, this is something that's very rarely said, but I think German cuisine is delicious. <laughs> very rare do people say, what do you fancy tonight? Let's go out for German. <laughs> but me, in more ways than one. <coughs> I tell you what, I love a culture which just skips over toast and says... Let's go straight for the cheese. A meat platter in the morning, in more ways than one. Yes, please. The Germans sort of know what they're on about, I think, with the cuisines. Particularly, I like the sort of genre of the schnitzels, all of that, and the speck. You know what I mean? Like, what can you have with, like, dead beaten veal? More meat. Do you know what I mean? I think they've got their priorities right. So, I'm not sure if I'm really on this, Gem. I'm really sorry, but I do think German cuisine is quite lovely. Which <laughs> did make me think, if perhaps you were communicating in German to this person, what is, do you want some of my peanut butter? So, let me, <laughs> I'm going to search do you want some of my peanut butter? It's going to be difficult, isn't it? Oh, my God, that's really tough. Möchten Sie... Möchten Sie etwas von meiner Erdnussbutter? Möchten Sie etwas von meiner Butter? I hope you said that. Jen, thank you for joining the party. And I'm glad you found us. Hi, Scotty. Hi, Daddy. Uh, Kat, Tim, Maya. Hello, the rest of the pub. It's just the mum here. 
um, I just thought I'd tell you my little holiday story. A friend of mine and I went to Portugal on holiday. Arrived there at around 8 o'clock. Did the whole all-inclusive drinks thing. Head out um, to the clubs and, and pubs and whatever. And then got up really early the next day to go and enjoy the beach and I'd obviously had too many sex on the beaches the night before and I had to I had to dig a little hole to be sick in and then cover it up <laughs> and I never lived it down. By the way, um, that's a bath running, not sizzling sausages this time. Um, don't do sausages in the bath. <laughs> Just a mum. I'm glad you clarified that because I thought, are you always fucking frying sausages? Anyway, Portugal, lovely. Well, I say lovely. I mean, I've got some quite controversial opinions about Portugal, which for the holiday special, I best they should come out. Now, a lot of my friends are all like, oh my God, gotta go to Portugal. It's so great. Go, go, Portugal. Go, go, Portugal. Now I've been, I've been to Lisbon and I tell you, people were raving about it. Oh my God, it's the best place. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. It's so arty. I'll tell you what, I found it quite boring actually. I thought, <laughs> I thought, controversial here, there's going to be, people are going to be writing up and complaining. I thought it was a more boring Barcelona. <laughs> Can you believe I just said such a thing? The poor, beautiful, gorgeous, welcoming people of Portugal. Yeah, it wasn't my cup of tea. I just thought, do you know what? For all your egg tarts, love, you're great, lovely people, but this city is quite boring. <laughs> No, sick on the beach from sex on the beaches. <laughs> We've all been there. I love the invention of digging a hole to populate your um, vomit. I've had to do the same many a time when I was a youngster. And I would go down to that there, Brighton, for pride. And we had not a pot to piss in, so we all used to sleep on the beach. Oh, my God. How we didn't die of fucking hyperthermia, I don't fucking know. But we would make these little... <laughs> like, if anyone doesn't know... Brighton Beach is made of pebbles, which are basically the size of your hand. So if you imagine trying to get a good night's sleep on that, I mean, I, I said good night's sleep, come on. We've been on it. <laughs> we would make these, like, rock hammocks. I mean, just sort of, like, make these carved-out spaces so that we were, we were away from the wind. My God, the SAS survival really does kick in, doesn't it, when you're off your nut? Anyway, just a mum, lovely to have you in the room. I hope you've recovered. Hi Scotty, Deb, Tim, Maya, Cat and the Pub. Um, I actually called a few weeks ago about my working class slash limbo that I was in after buying a house quite recently. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for your insight, for the feedback, for the comments, for the people that called in. Yeah, I feel much less alone at the moment. Um, and to the caller that talked about it being a trauma response, thank you. Um, you've hit the nail on the head. Looking back, that's exactly what it is. I'm not used to things being calm and safe and secure. It freaks me out a little bit. Um, so I'm going to explore that in a bit more detail. Um, so thank you. I've also took great pleasure in listening to other people's working class joy. Some of the stories have been magical. Um, so I thought I'd pop back on and share mine. So mine is social club celebrations so as a kid we used to go to these like proper dingy social clubs whenever it was anyone's birthday or wedding or funeral or whatever family occasion brought us all together I've got a big family lots of cousins uncles aunts live all over the UK and um, but that was the time we would all come together 
again as kids and adults the last one that we had was about two weeks before um the pandemic and nothing really ever changes despite us all moving away growing up changing careers having babies whatever um and it's just it's just a joy i love the stale curly sandwiches that my nana makes i love the you know you get a gnc for about 75 pence we always put up crappy sparkly tinseled happy birthday decorations hire a slightly dubious dj other cousins just gathered in a corner talking shit or barbara windsor aunties just shouting across the place it's chaos i love it so that's one of my working class joys which i will never yeah never give up i would love to take you up on the offer of potentially having a catch-up and um, we can go and talk about trains and horrible histories in town over a brew or a mug of gravy or whatever you fancy um, and just to lighten the mood around the house situation last time. So about a week after I called in, um, we had a massive electrical failure, which cost a fortune. Uh, the shower started leaking, <laughs> came through the kitchen ceiling, and then the neighbour threatened to shoot my cat if we weren't in the garden again. So yeah, normal service has been resumed. Thank you. <laughs> oh, gorgeous. Uh, do you know what? I feel like maybe we should call your name Working Class Limbo because I really loved that idea of what you brought into the room. And the thing that I loved about all of these conversations that it spurred is about the difficultness within softness and us trying to embrace the softness. I guess with all of this, I'm not trying to say, oh, we shouldn't acknowledge the difficultness that happens with the sort of upbringings that many of us in this room have seemed to have had. But there's just something about not forgetting the sort of beauty and the joy and the things that we do get, which I think posh shows don't have. And so that one of those things is social clubs, right? Now, there, there will be people listening who perhaps are come from a different sort of background or from a different country where they're like, sorry, what's down the social? Now, a social club is essentially... It's a bit like a secret, well, it's not a secret society, but it's a, it's a bit like a gated community. It's like a pub, a place that you can go, usually based around a hall, a sort of a building that was on an, an estate or in areas where there were estates that either workers sort of collected together and came together and that was their place that they would go and you'd have subsidised drinks or you'd be able to hire out that hall for like family events. Um, or sometimes they were like, because particularly down south, because post-industrial, had gone a long time ago the sort of social clubs that we got down south weren't based around working groups you know miners clubs etc like that it was more based around like tenants halls and tenants associations and I'll tell you what some of the most beautiful moments in my life have been around tenants hall now I, I love the fact that always to get into your social that you have to sign in like there was always like a register and you usually have to pay a 20p sub to get in but the drinks used to be so cheap and there's just these beautiful signs that I remember as a child which was like you know no buggies on the dance floor <laughs> no unaccompanied children after 4 p.m you know like these really weird arbitrary rules absolutely beautiful i'd love any other memories that are coming out for people from like tenants clubs or social clubs to sort of come out because it is a it's a sort of dying community isn't it like I don't know about you, but uh, the estates that I grew up on, those tenants associations, those halls, those spaces in which people 
gathered have slowly been knocked down and turned into flats, essentially. And I wonder how people, like, meet nowadays, how people, like, gather, how people celebrate in those ways, you know what I mean? Are we just expected to go to commercial pubs? And, yeah, there was something beautiful, I think, about a Tenants Association hall. There's something municipal about it. And I wonder if municipality, that sense of, like, people's space is going. Mm. Anyway, I'm going to get in touch with you because I'd love to go for a brew. Fuck off with a cup of gravy. Hi, it's Gemma. I've just found a load of photos and um, it is just reminding me of the working class joy chat that's on here. And oh my God, it's just like, if you could like bottle up a feeling... It's just nostalgia, what nostalgia does for your mental health can sometimes, like, it can make things worse or it can just make you realise, like, how amazing it is to have lived those moments that loads of other people aren't lucky enough to have. Like, if you aren't working class and you didn't grow up with these kind of memories, then um, I think it's quite sad because it's just... I don't think you can beat it. My main one was this picture that I found of um, all of us. I come from quite a big family and just on my mum's side is our closest side. You know, you always have one side of the family you see the most and there's loads of us. My mum is one of five and um, my nan was one of 11. They're of Irish descent, working class and all they want to do is feed you. (laughs) But we used to um, go to the Commerce Club in Wood Green. We just would spend every other Sunday there. And uh, my dad and my uncles and my granddad would be playing snooker and drinking lager. And me and my cousins would be just making up dances right next to the dads. And they're all playing snooker and getting drunk. And we're just like titting around, getting in everyone's way. (laughs) just pissing about all day literally like nothing there for children at all but we it was like the most fun ever and sometimes the landlady would bring out cubes of cheese and like little Ritz crackers on a plate and leave it on one of the pub tables and we would be like oh my god we are so posh (laughs) and bottles of coke with like stripy plastic straws Oh, my God, just to sit around and have that again with my cousins would just be amazing. And, like, after we'd be at the commerce, we'd leave the men there. They would be getting more tanked up. And we'd go back to my nan's where um, we are having a roast. And she'd be cooking a roast for, like, 15 of us every weekend. And... um, she lived in a one-bed masonette with my granddad and it had a blue tin roof and, like, the net curtain on the front of the door. I remember her neighbour, Hassan, used to run a fruit stall. So every day, I don't think I ever saw his face, he used to just pass over a fruit bowl, one of them plastic fruit bowls, every day over her back wall and she'd be, like, cooking the dinner and go, oh, quick, Hassan's here. And you'd be like, oh, thank you. Take... <laughs> take this bowl of fruit and then the dads would come back and the mums were all pissed off 
so they wouldn't answer the door to them because they would all be rowdy and drunk at the door. And our, me and my sister and my cousins saying would be, open the door and your dinner's in the dog. <laughs> Literally having no idea what it meant, but you're in the doghouse, your dinner's in the dog. <laughs> And I want to congratulate me for going for this long. It took a lot of um, restraining on my part to call up and say, can we stop talking about fucking gravy? Right, cheers, hun. <laughs> hey. <laughs> you and me both, Gem. I'll tell you what, there's too many northerners around here, isn't there? They're fucking obsessed with the shit. Anyway, nostalgia, you're so right. It can take you down two different paths, doesn't it? And I guess that's kind of the thing that I've been trying to, that sort of feeling I've been trying to articulate over the last few weeks. But I'm really glad for it. Um, there are, which I think is really important to throw into this conversation to everybody, that there are very different versions of working classness. We're not saying that one is right and one is not right. And I think it's really important that we acknowledge that. Um, there's, there was an image that was coming to mind where I was thinking about the photos that I've got of me as a kid. And bless me, like my parents, if I ever say to my mum, oh, we were born, mum, but no, we weren't, we weren't that bad off. And sometimes I like to show her these photos. I'm like, this child, you know, me with Coca-Cola in a bottle. <laughs> That's such a like, common thing, isn't it? Give the kids some Coke in a bottle. <laughs> Running up and down in the hallway in a council flat with no carpets on the floor. Do you know what I mean? Bless this. But you can see the absolute joy on my face. I mean, I was having a hoot. Same thing about kids in pubs. Oh my God. Some of the best times I used to have was in a pub. I used to have this friend who me and my parents and her, her parent, I think her mum used to work at the pub. So we used to just spend hours outside. There was a, a, a block of concrete outside the pub that had just been sort of left there to go stale and we would climb up and down it all the time just up and down up and down and up and down and just be like grubby kids like running around and making our own entertainment do you know what I mean this also sort of made me realise the difference between what people mean when they say pub grub now when you say pub grub if you are thinking of a fancy Sunday roast, perhaps with some, you know, like grilled cinnamon greens on the side or something, or, you know, a bit of cauliflower, cheese with macaroni with, you know, bacon dust. Well, we're talking about different worlds here because what I'm talking about about pub garb is I'm talking about salmon pate sandwiches and the crisp platter. Now, if you've never enjoyed a crisp platter, what it is, is it's a very mum thing where you buy a couple of packets of crisps, you open them up flat like they're a plate, and then you sort of mix the genre of crisps together. You cannot beat it. You cannot beat it. Oh, particularly those, what were those things? Do you remember scampi fries? <gasps> I'd do anything for a scampi fry. Also, this really reminded me, <laughs> this era of time, it's really reminding me of the hokey cokey. <laughs> oh, the hokey cokey. <laughs> Such a weird song. Where did that come from? If you know, call a Call up, I'd love to know. Going to your nans. Now, I think that is such a class thing. When I talk to my posh mates about their relationship with their grandparents, it's a very different relationship. And I wonder if this is based around labour. Because I think many of us were shoved to our grandparents, bless us, those of us who had grandparents in our life, because it was like a cheap, free way of getting us looked after or getting us fed, do you know what I mean? Whereas I talk to my posh mates and they're like, no, they would visit their grandparents. 
I was reared. I was brought up by my grandparents. <laughs> Talk about working class joy in an Irish household and photographs. <laughs> if you look through <laughs> all my photographs from me nan, they're just of her looking miserable, sat by people's graves. I don't know why it's a thing, but I have a whole colossal of photographs of family members stood at other family members' graves. <laughs> Gemma, lovely to have you. <laughs> it feels like a lovely moment to have a little bit of a break. So don't go anywhere because after this, we're talking hilarious place names, an unexpected Bulgarian piss-up, and the triumphant return of LTL, LTC, Nana, JRF. Oh, that's going to be lovely, isn't it? But first, Patreon. Yes, you knew it was coming. Why are we asking? Well, because ATT is in a bit of a pinch, to be honest. Uh, the future is a bit uncertain. So let's be honest here. We need your support as we try and find other ways of keeping this going. So if you're able, if you have enough, then why not do something radical and help us keep this going for someone you've never met? Over the past few weeks, our patrons have told us things like ATT raises my spirits in dark times and has felt hugely beneficial to my mental health. It has provided me with endless comfort, especially as someone who's getting to grips with my queer identity. ATT has helped me take care of my mental health, explore my complicated relationships with class and realise that I'm allowed to take up space. So... If you can, patreon.com forward slash after the tone. Uh, this week's Patreon call is from the one and only Lou, who's back in Melbourne and is weighing in on the name slash sort of gender conversation that we've been having this season. So do find us over there. Remember, you can also find us on the internet. It would be lovely to see you, have a little chat with you, have a little gossip in the DM. You might want to do a little DM slide at after the tone POD. And we really do appreciate when you are able to share the podcast, when you're able to like share some of the content that we put out during the week because it does bring more people and it helps more people discover us like that lovely person called Jem who's calling from a hospital in Germany okay thank you very much right let's get back to business please hello Scotty and the gang my name is Sarah May or scary or scary May people call me that that's fine by me um I'm a first-time caller short-term listener but I've uh, done a lot of listening over the course of the past Four months while I've also been interrailing Europe and I'm uh, currently on a ferry going from Albania to Italy but it's been delayed 90 minutes and it's really fucking shit um yeah I just thought I'd call and say hello and thank you for being that space that I can listen to on those long sweaty bus journeys as well and, and train journeys and I'm pretty fucking proud of myself I have quite bad anxiety and I've overcome so many of those anxieties during this journey. I'm literally going on a nine-hour ferry on my own. Like, what the fuck? Fuck you, anxiety. I won this one. So during my interviewing uh, journey, we went to Bulgaria. This is when I was with some of my friends, one of which who introduced me to this podcast. Hello, Lydia. Anyway, we went hiking up this Bulgarian mountain, and we were like... There is a hut that we can stay halfway up the mountain. So we hiked up this mountain. Get approach this hut, and all we can hear is like loud music and loads of men like partying. And we were like, oh fuck, this doesn't sound great. Anyway, we approach and we come across like maybe seven Bulgarian men, only one of which can speak English. One of them is dressed up in like a priest's outfit, and he's probably like 60, and they are fucking smashed. And it's probably like one in the afternoon. 
and they look at us like, what are you doing here? This, and they say, the English guy, the guy that could speak English was like, uh, this is our party, we have a party once a year for this guy that they called the Shake. <laughs> no, they don't really accept guests during this time. And we were like, oh, well, can we stay? And they let us stay. Anyway, we ended up getting absolutely rat-assed with these crazy, hilarious Bulgarian men that couldn't speak any English. And towards the end of the night, they got their guitars out and they were singing like traditional Bulgarian songs. And we were like, oh, this is so lovely. Like, what sort of cultural exchange can we do for them? And so we managed to get them all up um, dancing the hokey pokey with us. <laughs> they were singing along, had no idea what they were saying, and we were all just doing the hokey pokey. And it was probably one of the fucking most surreal, hilarious things that has ever happened. Anyway, there you go. There's my bit of interestingness for you. Um, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Scary May, welcome to the room. Thank you so much. I'm loving these calls from people who are calling us mid-travel, during voyage voyage. Do you know what I mean? Fair, beautiful. Although, ferry, it's not a train, is it? Can't call that interacting. I think going abroad and travelling does help humanness, doesn't it? Um, I think it just teaches us, you know, there are ways in which particularly with language, where you cannot communicate apart from just pointing at things and trying to be as kind as possible and coming across as, you know, a genuinely kind, interesting person. It goes a long way, doesn't it? I'll get onto that in a bit. Seven Bulgarian men. Yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. Where do I go? <laughs> And um, what an honour, actually. But I find these beautiful moments that we get to share, and they do feel onerous. They feel like, oh, wow, I'm, I am being let into something that isn't for me. And I think we hold these and we retain these forever, don't we? The hokey cokey, I just mentioned it! <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that as being the cultural exchange. I think this sort of reminds me of, I've got loads of beautiful moments. I've been very privileged to travel the world and show parts of my work and my shows in lots of different places. And I think one of the most profound sort of changing moments for me, I think was in my sort of early 30s where I was making work in Japan. And I wasn't in big town, big city Japan. I was in like small Takasaki, Kanazawa, like small Japan and having these really beautiful intimate experiences with people where I felt let in. Like I went into an onsen, which I guess is like a, like a natural spa, very sulfuric, very hot. There's rules and etiquette around it. And I went in and everyone's naked, so you're just naked. And I'm so hyper-visible as like, you know, the Irish thing in the corner in comparison to everyone in there being Japanese. And I clearly looked like I had no idea what to do, but... I mean, I just tried, you know, I just copied what other people were doing. And all of a sudden, <laughs> I had, like, the four elders of the community around me, like, washing me down and dunking me in the water and holding my onsen towel. And yeah, just moments like that, they really stay with you, don't they? And I think they teach you something. They affect us in ways that will change us forever, won't they? So I'm glad you're having a lovely time. And I'm glad it's giving you maybe a sense of softness or confidence or or something that is is helping with some of those mentors. Lovely to have you in the room. I'd love more updates if and when. Hiya, Scotty. Love, it's that JRF here. Hiya, Kat. Hiya, Tim. Hiya, Maya. And hello, producer Deb. I just had a look on my phone. I've not sent you a message since the 3rd of July. Shocking. Any road... 
I'm now officially a 40. It's all right. It's all right being on this side. But um, my really exciting news that I wanted to share with you all, um, just shamelessly showing off, really, is that for my 40th birthday, I got a dog. <laughs> I got a little puppy. I got a little Cavapoo. King Charles Cavalier, Poodle Cross. I'm looking at her as I speak to you. Her name is Miss Tammy Faye Barker Biscuits, or Miss Biscuits if you're nasty. And um, I'm thinking for a confirmation name, Tamara Abigail Faulkner. I think that's um, appropriate. But yeah, the fucking hard work. But it's worth it. I think the cat's coming around. He's lying next to me purring. She's currently in a crate for bedtime. Her crate was supposed to be in the kitchen, but she screamed the flat down, didn't you? Yes, you think I'd killed an entire family in front of her. But yeah, I'm a busy mum of two now. Forty busy mum of two. I like how that sounds. I didn't think I'd make it this far. It's amazing, really. Any road, I'm going to go to bed because I am literally, my brain feels like it's going to slide out of my nose. Yeah, it's really making my ADHD really bad. <laughs> but any road, love and light and God bless to you all. And uh, a big kiss from busy mum of two, that GRF. Okay, love you, bye-bye. Bye. Third of fucking July. What am I, chopped liver, just waiting around for you to call up? Bless you. Sounds like you've got your hand full. Let alone Nana JRF now. Busy mama too, JRF. <gasps> Love that. <laughs> Happy belated birthday to you. Welcome to your 40s. I sort of say that like I'm there, I'm not. Welcome to your 40s, not mine. <laughs> now, your dog's a cavapoo. <laughs> Me too, after this. Now, Miss Tammy Faye Barker Biscuits. I mean, it's a mouthful at the best of times, but, you know, we've accused other people of much worse. Now, you said the confirmation name, Tamara Abigail. I've got to search whether they're saints or not, because you can't be having confirmation names. Saint Tamara. Tamara. Let's have a look. Saint Tamara, real-life saint. From King Tamar, reigned as Queen of Georgia from 1184. So you can have that one. Is St. Abigail a thing? Abigail. St. Abigail. Here we go. St. Abigail's a saint. St. Abigail, known as Gobnat. <laughs> or Abigail or Deborah. I mean, you had a few identities, didn't you? Is the name of the medieval female Irish saint whose church was in the village of Ballyvorney in County Carrick. There you go. Okay, you can have both of those names. I was sceptical. I didn't think either of those names were saint names, but you can have them. Um, I want to know how the cat's dealing with it. Did you have to do, like, a formal introduction? Did you have to say, you know, you, meet you, can you be nice, please? You know, how is that going? What is that like, being that mum of two? JRF, it's lovely to have you in the room. Bless you with the ADHD. We'll have you whenever you like, do you know what I mean? But gorgeous. Thank you for the life update. That's what I love about this place. Because we've been going for a while now, I feel like people's lives have changed and things are happening and things move for people and just having people drop in and be like oh by the way do you know that this has happened it's it's a beautiful thing so if you've got a little life update for us don't hold it to yourself hi scotty and all the ATT crew um hope you're doing well scotty solidarity to you 
um, I'm back with my second library story for you. So this is now when I'm a bit older, not primary school anymore. I've been to college. Um, I mean, I didn't really go and again, borrowed library books, probably didn't use them and never returned them. Then when I was at university, I wanted to use the library again. So this is a couple of years after um, college. And I knew that I still had these books in the house, but I needed to borrow more. So I was like, I've got to return them and then I'll be able to get some new ones. So I came up with this whole bloody plan and sneaked into the library. Well, just went in normally, but then went up to where the books were meant to be and kind of placed them just in a random place. And then had planned to go back the next day. So it wasn't obvious, went back the next day, got some new books, went to the desk and I was like, I'll take these out, please. She was like, oh, you've got some outstanding books actually from like three years ago. And I was like, oh, that's weird. And she went upstairs and she found them. She was like, oh, that is weird. Maybe they were here all along. (laughs) So that worked. I also wanted to add in on the name conversation. So firstly, family of three sisters now um we're Irish um I'm the only one that didn't get an Irish name even though I was the only one that was actually born there bit pissed off about that but never mind my parents split up when I was young my dad left went back to Ireland don't speak anymore and I share my surname with my sister which is his name which you know bit of a shitter patriarchy inheriting a man's name that you don't even speak to but you know me and my sister share it so that's really lovely and that's a bond between us and I really love that she met um, a lovely woman decided to get married and they were going to change their name fair enough lovely for them I've now got a little baby which is just the best thing ever love being an aunt Um, and they've actually decided to keep our surname that's mine and my sister's so in a way, it's a bit strange that we're all carrying around this name of a man who we don't speak to and cause quite a lot of trauma in our lives. But I just have so much kind of love and joy in the fact that we still all share that family name. And actually, it's ours now. Like I've had it for 39 years and it's not his anymore. It's mine and it's my family's. So, yeah. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Gorgie, lovely to have you back. Honestly, I'll bless you with the solidarity. Yeah, I I appreciate that because, yeah, she's had a few months, you know what I mean? It's been quite up and down. (laughs) Poor producer Deb has been very up and down. But I'm doing all right. I'm on my holidays. I'm having a lovely time. Now, Library One story was excellent. So (laughs) thank you so much for this. It made me think that calling the library feels like you're getting one up on the system, doesn't it? I mean, that's very early for me. (laughs) Like, not paying me library book subs always made me feel a bit anti-capitalist. Maybe that was where that sort of anti-fascist, anti-government sort of sentiment started within us all. Do you know what I mean? There's there's, there's something in that. I mean, let's not dig too much into it. But I think calling the library is quite a good thing. Oh, people be calling that, be saying, no, you can't come to the library. Well, we just did, actually. We can't do it all the time. I think library books should be fucking free anyway. Charging us fucking 20p a go when you ain't got pot to piss in. Anyway... 
this chat about Irish names is so hitting hard. And I know it'll be hitting hard not only for me, but also our lovely Debbie. Because we often talk about this and about our sense of Irishness being illegitimate, being what I often refer to being a plastic paddy, being sort of this sort of second-hand Irish. And how Irish is your Irish? Do you know what I mean? Because that feels, particularly when I go back home, back home, I mean, it's not even my home, but I mean, it's just, it's always referred to as such, how you're typically, you know, the Brit. And like, growing up in the house that I did, being called the Brit is just, there's just lots of big feels here. And essentially, like, when people have got Irish names, they have this, like, fucking smugness about them. I'm just like, oh, go fuck yourselves with your fadders, okay? Take the fucking fadder and shove it up your hole. (laughs) Because if that is what legitimises our sense of who we are, then I don't want to be a part of it. But I think Irishness on the island, and particularly, like, posh Irishness over the way, can really fucking, like, love itself for being, like, Irish-speaking, fadder-adorning, Irish-dancing, curling, playing bollocks. When I think what I've come to love about my synthetic Irishness, about my plastic Irishness, is that I know my history, I know my people, I know why I wasn't given a name. It was to get on and to survive. It's a result of the effects of colonialism. The reason why some of those cultures were prohibited to us was because my family didn't want to make us too Irish. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of trauma on my granddad's side that Ireland didn't provide for him. And he didn't want us to be Irish in a way. And that's the weird thing because, you know, being told of being proud of where you're from, but also being told to mask it at the same time and being told like, remember you're different to this crowd, but at the same time being like, get on in life and try to be like them. I think us lot over this way who have grown up with dual identities deserve a fucking more than an award. I want more than the Irish dancing award that I've got, believe me. Sort of making me hark back to thinking about social clubs that we were just talking about a bit earlier and um, sort of like the Irish clubs that are in the UK and thinking about what they meant and what they represented. Particularly, like, our version of sort of social club was, like, my mum and my nan taking me to the dance. Um, that would be, you know, on special events or feast days or New Year's Eve or Hogmanay, you know, um, in the church. And that being about people all coming together. And that was exclusively... Irish. That was, yeah, anyway, this, this has taken us on a massive tangent about this sort of, um, this idea of legitimate Irishness, which I'd, I'd love to talk about. I know we've sort of touched on it in the past, but, you know, it feels like with this stuff we're talking about, names and identity, it feels really important to us, doesn't it? Uh, me and my brother have got different names. That's because technically, on paper, some people will say that we had different dads, but um, my father decided to become my father, so I feel more important. <laughs> Uh, my grandfather was very fond of my father because uh, my father did make that choice and they made that choice to rare me and to try and give me a sense of normalcy in my life when I was age two. But legally on paper, my brother and I have different surnames. I have an Irish surname and he doesn't. And his sense of Irishness is far less than mine, largely because he wasn't really read by my grandparents. And I think by that time, my mum had really... <sighs> divorced herself from Irishness in a way and I think uh, wondered what it brought her apart from (sighs) difficulty I think and I think I'd love my mum to come on and talk about this actually because my mum's relationship with Irishness is compelling to say the least. 
Thank you so much for dropping in and giving me this beautiful stirring, this conversation, this sense of identity, because I think sometimes I feel like you, like not having an Irish name, perhaps I'm not legitimate enough. But in that illegitimacy is reason. And I love you really reclaiming and regaining that sense of yourself, regardless of this person that's no longer in your life. Right, so I've been out for a couple of vermouths, you know what I'm like. Anyway, back at the hotel, having an agua, agua sin gas, because I don't want to be too burpy, because I know what you like. You all moan when I burp, and then you moan when I don't burp. Anyway, it's time for the DM slides. This is uh, your chance to get something off your chest, but you can't put your name or voice to. <laughs> These two are part of the holiday special. <laughs> really enjoy them. First one is, I sucked off... <laughs> things this podcast gets me to say i sucked off a guy at 3am in the front of my godparents balcony they definitely knew and saw (laughs) how do you know they knew and saw i don't want to ask maybe it's that sort of family the next one is i borrowed my mum's suitcase for holiday and i left my butt plug in it (laughs) i don't think she knew what it was there you go those are your dm holiday especially slides you know what to do slide into the dms at after the tone pod hi scotty tim catmeyer producer deb and all the lovely people in the pub that makes this wonderful place what it is i'm just calling to weigh in on the name change discussion as someone that has observed it rather than someone that's had it happen so my father who's in his mid-70s changed his name 49 years ago so he was adopted and had was given a first and second first and middle name and when he was 25 years old he changed him he wanted to be more connected to his country of origin or believed country of origin so he got rid of his middle name his first name became his middle name and he gave himself a brand new first name that he thought was more him and so um, all my life he's been known as his new first name But when we go and visit his family, they all still call him by his original given name, which is now his middle name. So when when my dad goes to visit his family, he's known as multiple things. He's known as dad, his old name and his new name. Um, And I always thought this was really, really odd because it's been 49 years. And even people who weren't even alive when he went by his original given name call him by that name. And I was always very, as, as as a queer person, as someone who builds their own community and has their own found family, I always found it really odd, worrying, or a big sign that, that this family would not accept outside of the ordinary things. So when gender queerness and general queerness started popping up in the bloodline, like the, these people reached out to me as like a peer, and I always wondered how the family elders would respond to these differences because my entire life it had been demonstrated that they were not prepared to respect naming, respect choices people made. So I was always a bit conscious of how out various people were and what aspects to to the elders of the family. But it, it turns out they're absolutely fine. Like they've welcomed the differences and the, the queerness and the gender nonconformity that's arisen. They've, they've celebrated it. 
So why can't they get my dad's name right? I just, I just don't get it. I just don't get it. So my dad's sister would have been in her early 20s when he changed his name. So, you know, and these people are 70. So I, I, finding that space and that compassion to, well, they're from a different time, but also there's no excuse. It's been 50 years. Come on now. Hi, Gorge. Thank you so much. Now, God, now this is taking it a different turn, isn't it? I wonder if this is to do with ownership. Now, your dad's generation, I'm assuming this is like your dad's siblings or your dad's parents who are dead naming, who are unwilling to accept this identity. I wonder if they have a sense of like ownership that they gave that name and that's the name that that person should be. And the sort of big dictatorial, I'm not saying that's right, but I'm trying to work out the logic from it. And I wonder with perhaps your generation in the family, they don't have a sense of ownership over it. I also wonder if this is a thing about not with gender, perhaps people can comprehend it easier in a strange way that this is a different identity. But perhaps with your father's name change, they think it's just preference. I wonder if it's something to do with that. I think people with names are quite strange, right? And with identities are quite strange. And I sort of experienced this within myself this weekend at Manchester Pride. I sort of circumvent Pride. I don't really go in for it for lots of different reasons. It's not for me. I find it too intense. Politically, I find it very difficult. A lot of the bars in Manchester are owned by people that I am not politically aligned with, so I won't contribute to them. But I was in this one place and I'd met somebody who I'd known for a long time under a different identity. And I knew that at some point in our knowing each other, they had changed identity. And I'd felt meeting them on the weekend that perhaps the identity had progressed further into a different one. And I was a bit locked, like, do you know what I mean? And I could feel myself be a bit apprehensive about introducing them to my friends because I was a bit like, I don't know what to call you. And so I just said that. I said, I'm sorry, I want to introduce you, but I don't know what name I should introduce you as. And it's a bit clumsy, granted, but I think it's far better to ask for permission and to ask for clarification than it is to dead name somebody or to not respect somebody's identity. And I guess that's what's happening here, isn't it? But it's interesting that in one sense that these family members can, but in another sense they can't. And I wonder what that is like for you observing that, observing that somebody has essentially carved out this space for themselves, but it's not been acknowledged. How are you, Scotty? Rebecca from Dublin here. You just said in the last episode for the holiday special to keep it as clean as possible. So I automatically thought, oh, I know it's perfect. The time I went to Missouri, oh God, this kid, I better not say it. I'll cross the road. Um, I went to Missouri on a camping trip with Skype group and the town we stayed in nearby was called Knoblick. How fantastic is that? Bye. <laughs> Rebecca from Dublin over the way. Thank you for coming camping in Missouri. Who would have thought it? Now, did you? <laughs> oh, no, that's terrible because I don't know what age you were. That's a, that's a shocking thing to say. Noblick. I mean... <laughs> 
it is funny. <laughs> it is funny, isn't it? Come on. I love being juvenile sometimes because it is funny that these names, you know what I mean? Like, it feels really childish and really like, oh, I'll get us, but come on. Crinkly Bottom, etc. I would love to know places, crude name places that are near you, callers. So get on the blower. Tell us the most filthy names that are near you. And that's all we've got time for from my lovely hotel room in Malaga. I tell you what, I've had a beautiful time. And I want to say that with a little bit of space after it because I want you to hear it. I really have had a beautiful time with you this week. So has something within there stirred something, got some thinking going? Is there something that you want to respond to? I tell you what, the number to voice note is in the description. All you've got to do is send us a little voice note using WhatsApp and join the party. There are so many threads there that you can pick up on, but perhaps you've got your own. A shout out to our Patreon pals. Thank you so much for your support. Patreon.com forward slash after the tone. Um, also remember, give us a follow at after the tone POD. I'm at Scotty's Fat. And I tell you what, we'll be back before you know it. So from me, the ATT crew and the rest of you, stay weird. See you next time. And I'm going to go get myself in a pool and eat some tapas hopefully at the same time. ATT This Week is produced by Debbie Kilbride, Vice Producer Tim Bano, Assistant Producer Maya Miller-Lewis, Digital Producer Capriel. After the Tone is a Debbie production.